Ez Brooks is a multiple award-winning filmmaker, screenwriter, journalist, and author who understands the pain of sexual abuse, bullying in middle school, and then unfaithfulness and divorce. As a former law enforcement officer and police chaplain, Tez knows that the stressful position of first responders is often scary, unpredictable, and infuriating. Where do you go to refresh and refocus when the world expects you to be thick-skinned and independent? And I'm sure that as we listen to Tez today, we'll be able to relate even if we are not first responders. But this is certainly going to be interesting, and I look forward to hearing what Tez is going to share with us today. Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. It's appeared in Guideposts, Power for Living, The Upper Room, CBN.com, Clubhouse, Focus on the Family, Crew.org, and many more. His editorials are featured regularly and seen by over 30,000 readers each month. He is the president of two chapters for Word Weavers International. Welcome, Tez. Thanks, Carol. It's good to be here. If you would like, we could start with your backstory and how that affected you as a writer, including what I said in the intro regarding the pain from past. So take it away, Tez. Mm, well, thank you. Yeah, so um, I remember my counselor telling me at one point, Tez, you didn't have a normal childhood, and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was just really profound to me because um, I think I had struggled uh, most of my life thinking that um, I just was handling um trials and tribulations uh, incorrectly and that maybe I, I needed to grow a tougher skin. Um, so it was really life-giving when my counselor, oh, I was probably in my 40s at the time, you know, came out and said, you didn't have a normal life and, and it's okay to admit that. And, and I think that's okay. one of the things that um, sometimes victims um, or survivors deal with a lot is they, they tend to blame themselves for some of the things that have happened. Um, instead of realizing, you know what, there's some, there's, there's things you just can't control, especially as a child or a, a young boy. And um, that was really life-giving to me because I had uh, come out of a, uh, a childhood where I had been uh, uh, sexually abused uh, by uh, uh, a family friend. Uh, and that, that was, you know, just played havoc 
uh, on my mind uh, and on my, you know, choices in life even. Uh, it started, mm-hmm. he, this uh, gentleman, I shouldn't call him a gentleman, <laughs> this idiot <laughs> um, started grooming me when I was seven and then finally wow. made his move when I was about uh, 15. And by then I, he had um, disarmed me so much that it just huh. seemed like a natural ne- next step for him to to uh, take advantage of me like he did. Um, but because shortly after that I went through puberty, uh, it played havoc on just crisscrossing wires in my head that, uh-huh. Uh-huh. that um, never should have happened. When you're having these hormones surge through your body and, and you've been abused as a child, um, I believe, and, and and studies show that it really uh, wreaks havoc on just connecting things in your brain that would have never been there. And so uh, as a young boy, what I normally would have, uh, what normally would have been normal for like a young boy to admire an older man or a, or a, uh, a grown man's uh, muscles or beard uh-huh, uh-huh. or things like that, like, oh, I want to be that when I grow up, I want to be strong and masculine. Uh, what happened because of the, the the abuse was that I started thinking in the wrong direction, thinking, oh, I'm attracted to this. Um, really? And, yeah. And so I, I firmly believe that uh, a lot of that uh, is, is um, just where you're, you've developed things in your brain that you think, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be feeling right now. And, and it just really messes with your psyche and, and your, um, the, the you get in ruts in your brain and it took me years to realize okay wait a minute not only did i not cause this um but i'm not i'm not homosexual uh because i'm feeling these weird uh feelings toward uh other men uh when really it was just i admired those men and i wanted to be like them when i grow up uh but that's not what my what my brain was telling me because of my experience with this um pedophile that is incredibly enlightening. I am so thankful that you shared that. But anyway, continue your story. Yeah, so um, I struggled with same-sex attraction for years. And uh, I grew up in the church. Uh, and I was a, a firm believer in Jesus Christ and his teachings. And I followed him. But I was always struggling with, well, what do I do with this? This is something that um, the Bible clearly says... Um, that it was, it was not, it should not be a part of my lifestyle. Um, and so I fought against that and didn't really get any support because it was the seventies. So this was something you just wouldn't bring up in the seventies of, oh, he struggles with same sex attraction. Um, and then I found myself falling into that and actually acting out on that, uh, as a young man and, uh, like college age kid. Uh, and it just, again, wreaked havoc on my, not only just relationships, but uh, seeing how I was being used over and over again um, from people who really didn't love me. They were just using, using my body. Uh-huh. Um, and, and so it was really hard for me because I, I still was attracted to women and I was dating girls and, and uh, I got engaged and I was married for 10 years. And as soon as I got married, those feelings, the same sex attractions went away. It was like, oh, okay. Maybe that was just me trying to be uh-huh. curious, you know, and um, uh, 
I thought there'd be no more problems. I I think I'm cured because I have a wife now. (laughs) After my wife left me for another man, uh, those feelings came back again. And I was like, wait a minute, where did that come from? They've been gone for 10 years. And now I think I'm attracted to the same sex. What is this? I thought I was uh, transformed. And I thought, you know, that I had left that all behind. Um, And so Again, I went through a struggle of feeling not only rejected from my my wife, but just kind of feeling like I was walking around with a reduced sticker on my forehead, like I was thrown into the bargain bin, um, felt, you know, emasculated because my wife had left me for another younger man, um, and then struggling with same-sex attraction coming back out of nowhere after just, I don't know if it was dormant or just... Um, because I was no longer sexually active now that I was uh, divorced and single again. Again, my spiritual life was a huge part. I could not, I, I've never been able to separate my relationship with God um, and and compartmentalize that. It affects all areas of my life because, huh. because of that. But this time around, I was able to go to men in my church uh, and, and it was suddenly in vogue uh, to find mentors and to have other men speaking into your life. And I loved that because there were a few, a small group of men that I trusted and I went to them and said, look, this is what I dealt with in my childhood. And suddenly it's come back now that I'm single and um, trying to raise two kids by myself. I need some help. Um, And I really, um, I point to them when I think about Uh, how important relationships are in our lives to have, to surround ourselves with, with people that uh, love you and know you and uh, can support you through whatever it is, addictions or uh, returning to uh, things that you don't want to be involved in. Um, And so I, I'm really grateful uh, that I have men in my life that can speak into my life, um, especially during those seven years when I was single again and divorced. This is another reason why the audience not only is going to connect with you, but should connect with you on your various social media and also your book, etc. because it's so relatable Hmm. and it's so prevalent right now in what everything that is going on in the schools. I mean, we could sit for the next few hours, I am sure, and discuss that. And I'm sure you have some very strong feelings about that. And maybe we will do that on a future interview. So let's, let's talk about your books now. First of all, what triggered your first book? I had been remarried probably five years. Um, So I was on the other side of the divorce and remarriage when when I really felt called to write a book for for men who were going through a divorce, um, when I was going through the divorce, there was nothing out there for me, um, especially for men. There was a lot of you know how to survive divorce for for moms, um, and but the stuff that was out there for dads, um, it just wasn't yeah. relating to me. There was a few things, but they were written by PhDs and professionals and. I was really looking for something just from written by a Joe Blow who's been maybe just a few years ahead of me on this journey, and there was nothing. And so I felt compelled to write. Um, and I had never written a book before, 
but I just started studying the craft before I even started writing and going to writers conferences and just uh, sitting and learning uh, how to do this mm-hmm. right. I didn't want it to be uh, something that was uh, too raw. And so I think that's why I waited till five years after I had remarried. Mm-hmm. So the divorce was actually, it was 12 years after the divorce before I started writing the book. And I just wanted something uh, that would minister to, you know, and really speak to single guys who were, who felt alone and, and just uh, giving them tips, everything from how to cook to how to keep your house uh, a welcoming environment for your kids when they would visit or if they lived with you. Um, I talked in the book about remarriage and how long to wait and, and how not to let your uh, previous marriage affect your new marriage and talk about blended families. And yeah, so I just went hmm. the whole gamut, um, this whole spectrum of just settling down into a second uh, family and um, not just stories from how I did it uh, and mistakes I mm-hmm. made, but other men's stories and how they survived. Uh, and before I knew it, I had a book and uh, the publisher <laughs> wanted it and said, yes, this is much needed. Uh, so it was a surprise to me. Uh, suddenly I was an author and it was winning awards <laughs> and I just realized how much I love writing. And so I just kept going down that road. And, uh, now I've got, uh, f- five books that I've written, uh, by myself and about another 14 that I co-wrote with other authors. Oh my goodness. That's incredible. Awesome. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Tez Brooks and talk about his new book and about first responders and many other things. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Carol Graham would like to show you the path from misery to miraculous triumph in her fast-paced memoir, Battered Hope. She relates her determination to succeed as someone who experienced one horrendous nightmare after another. Gang raped and left for dead, loss of a child, husband falsely imprisoned, and cancer. Nothing could break her tenacity or faith. No matter what you face, heartache, loss, suffering, or injustice, Carol will illustrate how she became a victor the same way you can. The secret is to never ever give up hope. Order your copy at Amazon or batteredhope.blogspot.com. We're chatting with Tez Brooks today and what he has shared already, I'm sure has been an inspiration for people who may be struggling with some of the things that Tez has experienced in his life. And I I appreciate you being raw and honest with us. And also, I know that you are the type of individual, including what you are doing in many of the other areas that I uh, shared in the top of this show, and that is that you want to help people, that that is one of your main motivations. And so the next thing we're going to talk about is your new book. And what I have written here says first responders have one of the highest percentages of addiction, divorce, and suicide. As a police chaplain, you experience the trauma of first responders and the need for hope. This is why you wrote your next book, Debriefing Meditations of Hope for Those Who Protect and Serve. Wow. 
So t tell us about that. Yeah. So, you know, when I was going through my divorce, um, I didn't want to sit around and um, just be drowning in self-pity. And so I thought, you know what? I I answered a, an ad in the paper uh, for our local our local police station where I was living in Florida needed uh, chaplains. And I thought, yeah. huh. Now, this is a way I can get my mind off my own troubles and help people who are really having much deeper uh, problems than I am. Uh, and so uh, I got involved as a police chaplain for our city police. And then I went into law enforcement because the, the cops I would ride around with were like, you know what, Tez, you'd make a really good cop. You should uh, you should think about going into the academy and becoming a police officer. And I thought about it. And I since I became a a law enforcement officer for the state of Florida. After I left that career, I went into full-time ministry with my new wife. And one of the things I did was return to being a police chaplain. As I was riding around with, with um, the officers, you know, I would hear their stories and I would see what they were going through on a daily basis when we would stop, help people out. And it was just amazing. I thought, no wonder this career has the highest suicide, the highest mm. divorce rates, the highest uh, alcoholics, uh, because of the trauma that they face every day. And then they have to get back in the car, shake it off, push it down, stuff it inside, and um, maybe laugh about it, because that, that's how uh, law enforcement deals with the stress, is we make jokes. And I just thought, man, I, I saw God at work in each one of these traumatic events they were going through. As I would hear their stories or even watch their stories unfold in front of me, the Lord just would constantly point me to scripture in the Bible or um, some of his character traits that were just very obvious that he was at work, even in the midst of uh, stressful events that they go through. Um, and by they, I mean, not just police officers, but firefighters, 911 operators, correctional officers, probation officers, detectives, all of them. It's a stressful job and has become even more so in the last few years with all the opposition and, and people, you know, spitting at them and, and uh, yelling at them, filming every move they make just because of a few bad apples. The entire career has been put down. Mm -hmm. uh, Definitely. So many are leaving that career because uh, from pressure from their loved ones or just feeling like, you know what? I'm not considered a hero anymore. I'm, I'm a criminal. The people are looking at me yes, as yes. if I'm the bad guy. And so I just really, as a chaplain, really saw the need for some hope to instill hope in them. And so I would pray with the officers before I'd get out of the car, hmm. you know, and I would start relationships with them, but I wanted to reach more. And so I started collecting stories and using these everyday stories that these first responders go through to help point them to God and to give them some hope yeah. uh, that they are heroes and that God is watching over them and that he has called them to be a part of protecting our cities and our country and that it is really, they are truly heroes. I started collecting stories from different first responders and then asking God to show me how that's uh, connected to his character and his guidance in their life. And I just put to, together 20 short devotionals, um, call it debriefing because they have to debrief every day. Um, but in this book, they're de debriefing with God because I provide um, 
uh, suggested prayers at the end mm-hmm. of each story um, where they can kind of be dispatched to scripture if they want to look up more uh, in the in the Bible. I have just been amazed at how God has used it to encourage first responders around the country. Uh, it just excites me. Have you done any sexual abuse counseling through any part of that career for other people? No, you know, I have not. Um, most of what I do is I listen and uh, I offer a friendship and relationship mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. uh, with the first responders. And if that ends up turning into something where I can offer um, some counsel, uh, you know, I'm not a licensed counselor, but I can offer biblical counsel and hope. To answer your question, no, I haven't done specific counseling in that area. But you have the experience and that is going to affect Mm. what you say and how you share, of course. Absolutely. So I appreciate that. Anything else you want to say about any of your other books that you have written? I'm always amazed at what the what God does with the books that I write because it's never it, it's not always fun sitting down and writing some of the stuff I write. In fact, debriefing has a, a few gory stories in there that are are pretty graphic, but God uses that whether it's a single dad detour, uh, you know, the survival guide for for uh, single dads, or or this devotional book for cops, or um, I write a lot of. Um, devotions for animal lovers, um, just seeing how God <laughs> uses animals to show us his character and his love and care for us. But I'm always amazed at, at what God does with it because I just think, okay, another book's out there. Let's see what happens. Um, it's kind of a relief to get it done. And I just want to um, brush off my hands and move on to something else. And then I see God take it and and use it, you know, in in other countries, even I'm like, wait a minute, it's not even translated into another language, but they're using the single dad detour in Singapore for single dads who are going through a drug rehab oh, uh, program. Word. Wonderful. <laughs> it's just like, wow. Yeah. Okay. And now tell us about your next project that you're work. You're working on a book for young adults, correct? I am. Yes. So uh, the working title which will probably, you know, it always changes according to what the publisher wants. But right now it's called Adultonomics. Uh, And it's basically 500 tips or techniques or truths to help um, young people to launch out on their own so they don't boomerang back home when things get tough. Excellent. Uh, What age group? What age group? Uh, It's uh, anywhere from 17 years old, like if they're leaving for college, uh, all the way up to 30 because, um, yeah, it's it's just every every kind of adulting advice you can think of from cooking to uh, how to get along with your coworkers and your boss, um, what to do, what not to do, uh, relationships, you know, how how to date with integrity. Yeah, there's just it covers all aspects of just being on your own and making your own choices. I use a lot of ancient proverbs from Holy Scripture um, and I kind of put it in my own words so it's uh, easier for young people to understand. There's a lot of uh, biblical advice in there uh, from Proverbs um, and advice from uh, their own peers that are just a few steps ahead of them. You know, I've asked a lot of young people, what do you wish you knew before you moved out of mom and dad's house? (laughs) And so I've got some advice from their peers and also from empty nesters like, oh, I wish I would have taught my kid this about finances or about how to take care of a car, you know, or 
there's just all kinds of tips and you read one or two a day. Uh, you can skip around. Um, there's only two to three sentences on each page. And so it's more of a gift book you would give to maybe a high school graduate or or anybody who's just moving out on their own for the first time. Oh, I absolutely love that. That is needed. Now, when is that going to be released? Sometime in 2024, hopefully maybe right before graduation season. Excellent. Um, yeah. Well, we'll be sure to include that at the time, and I'm looking forward to that as well. As soon as you said gift, what a great gift for someone graduating too. Mm. Absolutely. So looking back now, we've kind of gone full circle with your life and way, and the way it started and the abuse that you endured, the almost the brainwashing type of, um, mm. you know, what happened as, as a young a teenager and young man. And now looking at what you have accomplished and how your life has changed, could you capsulize a little bit, just whatever you would like to share that's on your heart about this journey? Hope is a powerful word. It's a powerful emotion. And so often we lose hope in today's world. Um, and I would say there's a source of help. Uh, I get it from my God. Um, and it's different from happiness. You can chase happiness all the time and never obtain it or always looking for more happiness, but joy and hope come from um, a deeper place. And so I would say pursue hope, whatever that looks like for you. And uh, you can get through some real trials uh, when you can see hope, whether you're in law enforcement or going through a divorce or uh, you've been through some abuse. Um, there are people that you can surround yourself with that will love you and care for you. And there's a loving God also that can do that. I really love that. Don't chase happiness, but pursue hope. Yeah. Wow, that says it in a nutshell. Well, I thank you, Tez. This has been enlightening, encouraging, motivating. And mm. I appreciate everything that you shared. We look forward to connecting with you on social media, of course, and also your books. All that information will be on, in the show notes. And again, thank you for being on Never Ever Give Up Hope. Thank you, Carol. It's been fun. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.